In this episode, we have a hunting story blowout. You'll hear stories from Travis Nowotny with Rimrock Stalkers, Chris Jackson with Solvid, and Ty Berry. You are listening to the Archery Maniacs Podcast. This is Remy Warren. I am Rihanna Carey. My name is Adam Foss. This is Paul Tetford, professional archer. Hey everyone, I'm Christy Titus, and you are listening to Archery Maniacs. We cover everything archery, from the hunting side to the tournament side, with stories, tips and tactics, gear reviews, and more. That helped my tuning game so much when I made sure that all my arrows were square. I'm staring into his eyes. Blood's dripping off of its tines. Mud is everywhere. The clarity these mavens offer is amazing. I'm just like Spider-Man, you know, on this rock. You know, just <laughs> laying there. Belly crawling in there, and I can barely fit in there, and I can hear the cat growling at me. So I put my hand on his shoulder and pushed him, and we just ran at this elephant. Quick disclaimer, some of the audio in these three recordings is not the best in the world. However, these stories are exceptional stories. So with that, let's kick it off with Travis Nowotny. Tell me a little bit about this giant three-point with the and, – and I don't want to downplay this deer because it's a, it's a stud buck and it's got great big kickers on its G2s and it's just an awesome, awesome looking deer. So – what like what's the story behind that thing <laughs> so uh yeah basically i had one of those uh over the counter tags and <laughs> this was <laughs> this was an area that uh you know i hunt quite frequently and i knew the buck was there and he'd actually i'd only seen him a couple times during the summer he was kind of a weird buck but uh he wasn't very I don't know where the heck he would go. I don't know. This, one of these places that I hunt's like that. A lot of these deer just play this disappearing act, and I still sit. I mean, still today, I scratch my head, going, "What the heck do these deer do?" But anyway, it was opening day, and I was with my buddy Rick, and he came in to help. Um, he didn't have a tag, and we uh, we started down towards one of the places that the deer always hang out in, and. Lo and behold, we split up because we weren't seeing anything. It was a full moon, and, man, we just I, I could get on this high point, and I'd usually see quite a few bucks, but we couldn't find anything. And so we decided we were going to work lower on these ridges, and we'd actually we're going to split up. So I, I went on this spine ridge to the left, and Rick went to the right, and there's just kind of these broken draws. And Rick was only probably 300 yards away from me. And I was tipped down the, down the straw, and I was glassing in all the beds that I knew about under the sagebrush, under, you know, the rock ledges, that kind of thing. And uh, anyway, I'm just creeping along this ridge, and I hear this, <laughs> and I look up there, and Rick's waving at me. He's got the, you know, his army's waving at me, and I'm like, all right, what's he see? So I go jogging up there, and he's like, there's a, there's five bucks over here, and that big three points in there, so. We get up on top of the hill and we're looking at it from across the draw and they're just sitting there feeding on this hillside and uh, we have the camera and everything. We've got this all on video. Um, so he sits down with his spot and scope and pulls out his tines up and we do a little interview and everything. And I tell Rick, you know, just just uh, I'll look over here for hand signals, you know, tell me if he's up or anything like that. And I I go the extra mile to go way out of my way to circle this drainage to make sure I didn't bump any cattle or anything like that because there's some cattle in the area and I just start coming down this ridge to where that buck was and I had 
I stopped and I slipped on a pair of socks. This was before I had my stalkers and I just started tiptoeing down this hill and I come up where I thought that buck was and I look towards the bottom of the draw and there's this buck down there. He's just standing there in the shade and he was kind of looking in my direction, um, just, just flapping his ears and stuff, not really looking at me, but kind of in my direction. And I knew I couldn't move too much. And so I kind of got down and I was just creeping down this hillside and then I see another buck, you know, and I just keep tiptoeing forward. And as that buck would turn his head and look the other way, I just kept going, kept going. And then I pop up to this little rim and it's more of a rock pile, not really a rim and some scattered sagebrush. And I look below me there and I mean, there he is 15 yards away. I can just see his antlers, his antlers bobbing, you know, and it's kind of in video. It actually looks further away, but I mean, he's 15 yards. I mean, he is close. So I come to full draw. I, I hunker down and I come to full draw and I come up and I go to shoot him. Well, I can't, I can't shoot over the rock right in front of me. So I kind of have to take a few steps forward and I standing up on this rock kind of in this awkward position, but he's pretty close. And I sit there and I'm just slowly rising. I, I mean, I'm at full draw for like two minutes. It's, it's unreal. I think we even actually cut some of it out in the video because I was drawn Jeez. for so dang long. And I just slowly kept creeping forward, slowly crept creeping forward until his whole body was exposed because he was so close. I mean, in any instant, this buck was going to bolt, you know, because he was just right. that close. But I got in there and I settled my pin and I hammered this buck. Um, it hit him perfectly right behind his hind shoulder and exited out. Um, if I remember right, it was out just right out his hind quarter. It exited out there on video and everything. And he ran a few, uh, he ran like 30 yards and I drew back and, and put one more through him and that was it. But that buck is a giant, and he's one of the bucks that uh, I'm most proud of. He's just, you know, I've never been a big three-point guy, but this buck is the one to shoot. I mean, there is not a better-looking three-point to this day that I've ever seen. He's just got these giant 19-inch G2s, big old kickers on him. You know, his fronts are 16 inches on the fronts, just a giant buck. And his bases, I mean... Um, if you were to follow the burr and the stickers all the way around, I mean, it's like 10 and a half inches, uh, not his actual circumference, but if you just follow it, took a tape in and out all the way around, I mean, I think he, his actual first mass measurement was almost eight inches. That's how heavy he is at the bases. Jeez. That's so crazy. Yeah, I agree. Um, if it's okay with you, I actually might. Um, put that picture in the in the podcast so that people can see when you're telling this story. Because um, man, you're not kidding. Like, and I I really like how his G twos curve like they do. Like that's just so cool. Oh, he is a good looking buck. Like he's like I said, if, if <laughs> I've never been a big three point guy, but I absolutely love this buck. He's one of my favorites. So I hope you enjoyed Travis's story. Man, that deer is just such an awesome buck. To check out Travis's brand new and improved Rimrock Stalkers, head on over to R-I-M-R-O-K. That is Rimrock.com. Now let's jump into Chris Jackson's mule deer hunting story. You know, like uh, I had a hunt 
uh, in Idaho. A couple, it wasn't last season, but the season before, so it was 2015. And I got, I got a good video of it, and I got it up on our YouTube channel and stuff. And it's called Desert Velvet. And I was chasing a, a, a big muley buck that I found as I was putting a stock on another buck. And he had, we called him Triple D because he had three drop times. Oh, yeah, he had trash going out every all the sides and big, gnarly uh, stuff going on down at the eye guards. You know, he might have had 10 points around his eye guards, for all I know. Um, he was velvet, you know, full velvet and everything. So you couldn't tell all the character he had going on. But he was, a, he was probably pushing 230. And uh, so he was the biggest buck I'd ever seen. And, uh, I put a stock on him right away and I got, I got 25 yards from him and he was eating behind a, a bush for about five minutes, you know, and of course the other five or six bucks that were with him, I could have shot every one of those five, five times, you know, and finally one of them just kind of headed my way a little too close and he, I don't know if he saw me or what, but something was suspicious. So he kind of started walking off and, and kind of acting antsy. And so the others just kind of followed in line and, and I drew back on him as he was walking away and he's, he was about 48 yards when I ranged him and he took a couple more steps and he got out there past 50 and he never, never did stop. Um, before he went out of sight. And then of course I saw him going over the ridge and, and I could go on about that story for a long time, but I, uh, because there was four other, or three other stocks that happened that day on that buck. And each time I got, it got ruined by a, a two pointer spike that was with him. And I, and I had him within 40 yards all four times. Jeez. And never could get a shot off on him. It was really bad. I had a, a four wheeler blew it for me the second stock and we were, I, I got a hold of my brother and he came over and we, we went to go look for him again. All of a sudden we found him. We were walking down a, a four wheeler trail and a four wheeler road. And, uh, and we see his rack sticking up from beneath some junipers and, you know, amongst the sagebrush and, and all the other bucks were in there too. And so we stocked up on this road and we, you know, it looked like a yard sale. We had our stuff strewn out all over the road because we had our backpacks on and we just dropped our stuff and, and started crawling on our hands and knees using the road, you know, cause it was quiet and, and we could get down below the sagebrush. And finally we got to within 40 yards and we're sitting on a road and it's opening day of deer season and we're like, uh, we better figure something out really quick or somebody's going to come up this road. And and as soon as I kind of whispered that to my brother, we could hear a four-wheeler heading our way. Uh, so I so I, I stood up and drew back, just hoping he would stand up and give me a shot. Because the last, well, first thing I wanted to get him, but the last thing I wanted to do is let other people know he was in there. Yeah. And you know, because for all I knew, I was the only one that even knew he existed, but it uh, ends up there was a dozen other people hunting him. They were just in the wrong spot that morning. He was somewhere else that he normally wasn't. He was a mile off where, or half a mile from where he usually was. So, but anyway, here comes these, these two four wheelers up the road. And so I stand up and draw back and, and then they, he's just looking at me still on the ground, you know, bedded down. And all I could see was from his throat patch up and, and that four wheeler kept getting closer and closer. And finally he just went from laying down to running. 
and and got out of sight. Luckily, before the four wheeler had a chance to see him, um, so I just kind of played it off as it was a basic buck that we were putting a stock on that they just blew for us. And and he was a really nice guy. I still keep in touch with this guy. Uh, he's a, he's a taxidermist. He actually did the taxidermy work on the buck. I ended up getting down there, but so I never. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it worked out really well, and, and he's a really nice guy. Um, Rimrock Taxidermy is his deal there uh, outside. He's in the Napa and Boise area and uh, a really cool guy. And and he got a really big buck down there a couple years before. And uh, the, he was actually putting a stock on this buck and and it was it was about a two twenty buck or so, and uh, a mountain lion jumped on top of it as he was putting the stock on it, and uh, hey. and he and he got free of the mountain lion, and then that's when he got an arrow. So it was kind of a bad day for that buck, right? Yeah, but that's his story. Uh, maybe you can get him to tell you that story someday. <laughs> so that's crazy. So yeah, anyway, I ended up getting a buck like eight days later, I, or nine days later. On the ninth day, I, I ended up getting a nice, a nice four-point muley, and uh, it's a really cool video. I encourage everybody to go check it out. It's Desert Velvet on the Solvid YouTube channel, um, and it, you know it goes through the trials and tribulations of an archery hunt. You know, I didn't make. I didn't make any misses or bad hits or any of that stuff that is a trial and tribulation that goes along with sometimes uh, with any type of hunting. But, uh, you know, everything went well except for the fact that I didn't get a shot at that big buck. And, you know, like I said, finally on, on my last stock, it wasn't even a stock. I was just trying to find him. And uh, we saw a herd of deer that wasn't the same deer he was running with. It was a deer I was putting a stock on when I found him. Uh, we saw those deer and we figured we'd skirt around those deer to go try and find where I thought the, the big one had gone and ended up, he was with those other deer. I just hadn't seen him. He'd hooked, he'd hooked up with them and, uh, the wind blew his direction and they caught that wind and they all took off out of there. And that was the last time. Well, that wasn't the last time I saw him. I saw him the next morning, but he was uh, a whole different deer after that point. And then after that next morning, I put a stock on him and in some brush, and I never saw him leave. And uh, the wind ended up blowing down in towards him, so I backed out, and I never did see him again. And I never even heard of anybody ever even seeing him again. So, mm. you know, he looked real like a real easy buck to hunt, you know, and like I said, it was the two points and the spikes that kept uh, tipping him off that I was there. And, you know, most of those stocks, he didn't even know I was around. And, uh, but once he smelled me, he became a whole different deer. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it was, it, it really showed you, uh, what a big muley like that can do. And I don't know, maybe somebody got him, but I think we would have heard about it. You know, right. there was only one way out of there. And like I said, there was a dozen people hunting him and with social media, you know, usually if a two thirty butt gets killed, somebody's going to see it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, that, that was a really fun hunt. And, um, it, it is a really good video. It's not very often that you see a deer of that caliber. However, just hearing stories about deer that big gets me excited. I hope you enjoyed that story. Now let's jump into Ty Berry's stories. All right. So this story starts back when I lived in Rock Springs, Wyoming. <laughs> so uh, I drew an elk tag. 
a drawn elk tag or was an over the counter? I can't remember. I still have the tag somewhere. But anyway, I scouted around, found a spot that I wanted to hunt. Um, uh, did quite a bit of scouting, got up in there, found where I thought I wanted to be. Uh, I guess I should probably preface this by saying, for the most part, I'm a solo hunter. So everything I do is pretty well solo. You know, my brother-in-law, he'll come with me every once in a while and I'll go with him every once in a while, but I, I really like going solo. So I was over in the Wind River, Wind River Range, Wyoming. Uh, I was back in there a ways. I have a Yamaha Rhino. I took it in as far as I could get in, parked it there, set up a little, I've got a little spike wall tent. I set it up. Then I've got another tent in my backpack and I took off on foot. I went about, oh, 12 miles in. I uh, set up my camp. Like I said, I'm all by myself. Um, uh, unbeknownst to me, I mean, I knew there was bears in there and I knew there was supposed to be grizzlies in there and there's supposed to be wolves in there that's really never bothered me now granted i did have a pistol with me i had a i had a ultralight judge with me but uh <laughs> the next morning get into elk you know i have my bow i've got i get into elk and i just about have a spike run me over and i'm like i'm not gonna shoot a spike this far in that'd be retarded <laughs> you know there's a great big bull up there and i can hear him and i'm chasing him and chasing him and chasing him well nightfall comes I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to circle around this meadow and I'm going to go, I'm going to go lay down over in the rocks. I'd left my other tent way back behind me. I'd been chasing them elk and I figured I'd just circle back to my tent and it was on the edge of a, on the edge of a lake. So nightfall come, I didn't want to go all the way back to my tent. I just figured I'd sleep under the stars. No big deal to me. So I pull up into the rocks and I lay down there. And I just, all I did was I just layered up real good and laid down and went to go to sleep. And all of a sudden, and I'm right underneath this dead tree. <laughs> all of a sudden, about six owls come in right over this tree and they just start squawking and carrying on at me. And then pretty soon they're dive bombing me. And I'm like, this ain't, I'm like, this ain't cool. So I'm at this point, I'm sitting up on my butt and I'm like, and I'm not kidding you. These, these owls are like, feet from me i mean they're coming down dive bombing me and then pulling back up and i'm like all right i've had i've had enough of this and there's just enough of a moon or maybe the sun had i'm thinking the sun was pretty well gone it might have been just enough of a moon that i could see him coming and i thought you sucker one more time i'm gonna give you the ultralight you know <laughs> and then i thought twice about that and i'm like i better not do that so all these owls are sitting up in the tree I pull that ultralight out and I shoot that tree and they take off and they go down about a hundred yards and they sit there and they squawk and squawk and squawk. And about the time I fall asleep, they come right back to the tree, start it all over again. Needless to say, I didn't get any sleep that night. And then them, them I'm not kidding you. Them owls, they just kept, I mean, they just kept it up all night long. And I, for, for whatever reason, I have no idea. I don't know why they didn't like me there. I know they weren't burrow owls, so I know I wasn't close to like a nest or anything. But for whatever reason, they did not like me around, and it sucked. I mean, it sucked bad. But you know, the next day, the next day, I got a nap midday. I chased elk all day, you know, and I think it was about 
three days later, my brother-in-law showed up and we proceeded to get lost back in there. You know, I got a map out and I'm like, oh yeah, we're right here. And we pop out and I'm like, we pop out in this meadow and I'm like, yeah, there's a lake on the other side of this meadow. And we pop out and I'm looking at the map. I'm like, there should be a lake on the other side of this meadow. And he's like, there's no lake over there. And I'm like, I don't think we're in the right meadow. I think we walked a little further than what we thought. <laughs> Turns out we were way off course, finally figured out where we were at. And then we made a beeline back down to the rhino and unfortunately had some, had some family stuff come up and had to get out of there. But yeah, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> I've had like crows and stuff dive bomb me, but never, never a whole thing of owls. Man, them owls—they just would not. They would not. I don't know what. I, to this day, I've never had it happen again, and I've never even heard of it or seen it. It was, <laughs> it was the craziest thing. If they would have, if they wouldn't have been owls, I'd have shot one. But <laughs> they were, oh man, that was the most trouble for shooting an owl because it dive bombed you. Yeah. <laughs> so did you ever end up getting close to that big bull? Oh, yeah, man, I got close several times. In fact, <laughs> about, oh, oh, how many days after that was it? About two days after, two or three days after the owl incident, man, I got to where I, I can't say for sure because I never could get a range because it was so thick and I was just chasing through deadfall. I have to say I was probably... 13 yards from that bowl, never had a shot, and he was a monster. Dang. Yeah, he was a monster. It's always, it's always crazy to me when you get that close to an animal and it still doesn't work out. You know? Yeah. You're just like, in your mind mentally, you're thinking, okay, if I get this close, I know for sure I can kill this animal. Yeah. And then it happens, or you even get closer than you expected, and then you never get a shot. You're just like, man... <laughs> yeah, I got I got Dan close, and I got close multiple times, and I could keep track of him because his bugle was real unique, you know. He was just real growly, sounded like a dinosaur, you know. Mm-hmm. So I could keep real close track of him. I, it was a lot of fun. I there's one thing I miss about Wyoming, it's hunting over there. That was just a blast up there. Later on, when I came down out of there, you know, I talked to a buddy of my dad's that my dad used to work with a long time ago. And he grew up over there in Farson. Mm-hmm. And uh, he told me I was insane going up there alone. He said there's so many grizzlies up there and, and wolves have moved in so bad. He told me I was nuts for going up there solo. But <laughs> that's just kind of what I like. I mean, to be honest, that's really what I like, you know. Yep. I understand. That's like hunting up out of Cody, Wyoming. I mean, yeah. I took my son with me, and we had a whole pack of wolves at 24 yards, you know. Oh, yeah. Can't, couldn't shoot them yet. Yeah. Um, so just looked at them like, dang. Yeah. <laughs> Grizzlies and everything is pretty pretty cool trip. So. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, that, <laughs> that, was, that was a pretty awesome story to share. I appreciate you sharing that. Like I say, I've never heard anything like that, so I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. I can share a story with you about my dad and his accident back when he was a guide. It's quite it's quite a story. Probably probably nothing you've ever heard before. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in the off season, dad would go to uh, down on the Red Desert and he'd guide for antelope, right? And most of, most of dad's clients that would come in were oil men from Houston, you know. So they got low, they got bucket loads of money and no brains, you know. <laughs> 
So dad's up there dude ranching, trying to take care of these guys from Houston and they're out chasing antelope. And at this time, my mom's living, I want to say my mom was living over in Evanston, but, uh, they're out chasing antelope and they get up to, it's just South of Rock Springs is where they was at. I can't remember. Uh-huh. Can't remember exactly, but, uh, they get up there, they start a campfire that night. They're going to camp out there. And, uh, one of these, one of the clients wanders off and there's old mines out there, wanders off, comes back and gets a, he finds a can of blasting caps, old blasting caps. My dad's like, man, you need to get rid of those. Those things are highly unstable. You can't be messing around with them. And he's like, oh yeah, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. Well, you know, nightfall comes, they all go to sleep. Dad gets up the next morning and he's shoveling in the fire. Well, Unbeknownst to him, somebody had thrown them blasting caps in the fire. Oh. He's sitting there. He he said he said the last thing he remembered is he turned around. Those guys were loading up rifles in the back of the truck. This back in the day, back in the seventies, you know. Yeah. All the rifles were in the back window, and he says he he looked back and he seen those guys loading up rifles, and then all of a sudden it went off, and he thought that he'd been shot. You know? Yeah. He thought somebody had shot him. Well, they life flighted him to Salt Lake. Uh, he was told that he had passed away twice on the flight there, you know, and they brought him back. When he woke up, he was totally blind, had all kinds of, had all kinds of issues because that everything from the fire just hit him full, full force, right, right in the front, right? Yeah. Woke up, he was totally blind. At this time, I was about to be born. I want to say I was about six months away from being born. So, uh, when I was born, my dad was totally blind. He, uh, he ended up having 28 corneal transplant in his right eye and it never took, it took one time for about three hours. And then he ended up going blind totally in his right eye, but his left eye vision come back, but he's got refractions in it. So everything he sees with his left eye, he sees three of everything, you know, Jeez. obviously his obviously his guiding career was over and everything, you know, obviously, you know, he hunted some after that, but you know, he, he really, you know, he really lives for, to hear the hunting stories that myself and, you know, my, my cousins and everything that we bring back to him because, you know, you know, dad used to be a great shot. He used to go to Wendover. He'd win the long range shot all the time. You know, I mean, it's pretty rough for him, but yeah, he's, he's something else. He's quite the old cowboy. Thank you for tuning into the show. It means a lot to us. But seriously, though, I really appreciate your ear. And it would mean the world to me if you would rate our podcast. If you didn't like it, one star it. But if you did, a five is even better. Don't forget to comment, like, share, and hit that subscribe button. Thanks again for tuning into the show. Some other podcasts that you should definitely check out are... Eastman Elevated with Bride and Barney. And Hunt Harvest Health with Ryan and Hillary Lampers. And a special thanks to... Maven Optics, Six Sight Gear, Dark Energy Tech, Shield Mountain Outdoors, The Outdoor Insiders, Iron Mind Hunting, Valkyrie Archery, and Gannett Ridge Sporting Equipment.